more you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Bar. Sending out good vibes. Now, at that point, we're going to have to do some elemental analysis on the adhesive that's on these artifacts and check it against this glue that we might be able to fake and see if it matches. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Guy America Show. We are going to be chatting with Scott Walter a little bit uh, later about of America Unearthed famed. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that TV show. Uh, fantastic chat, fantastic guy. We get into Freemasonry and all sorts of fun stuff like that along the way. Um, we got uh, the Jingle King himself come to join us for a few minutes in the intro and talk about uh, his new album that's coming out. Of course, it's going to be a bit of a short intro because it's in the middle of a jam-packed night with three interviews. Uh, and we got everybody's favorite co-host here, Graham Blue Blocker Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? These aren't the Blue Blockers, buddy. I Those are just your were. reading my, glasses? I've only got one by my bedside. If you're Blue Blockers, so yeah. those are just your reading glasses now? I don't want to Blue Block anything now because I need to stay awake for the show all night. That's right. I don't want to be putting myself to sleep. I need that blue light. You need extra blue light. I need all light. that fluorescent blue light just Ex- fucking my system up. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring in the blue light. How you doing, Felix? Uh, I'm good. I'm really good. Looks like you got a new set of cans there too, buddy. Yeah, these are um, these are actually for um, mixing sound. They're supposed to be really flat sound, and you can actually there's a toggle switch on the side of the headphones that'll that it turn and turns the sound into mono. You go back and forth between mono and stereo. Oh, that sucks. How do we sound extra flat? Yeah, you guys are good flat. Good flat. B flat. B flat. B flat. The B flat. Do you want to talk about Felix's stuff right away, or do you want to jump into some listener emails, Darren? What do you think? Um, why don't we jump into some listener emails? You, you were going off okay, over I, there saying you had to, this. I have a great synchro. Synchro, so maybe we should let you get that. You're all excited. I'm interested to see what Felix is going to say about You're this one, too. Super it might make excited. you cry. It might almost made me shiver and cry, so we'll see what happens. You think here. it might make me cry? You, are you calling that? That I might no, cry you. on the show. Not you. Well, you might be. You've been doing a lot of work lately on yourself, so you might be open for that. I've run out of tears. I want a good score from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Darren might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low? Yeah, yeah. Ow. All right. <laughs> Actually. I forgot. I'm going to read his first email, too. Hey, boys. Just dropping a line to inquire as to what your preferred way to support the show is. I've been lurking in the shadows listening to your interviews for about a year now. I have to admit I've been convinced by your increased output of late to follow suit and pry open the old wallet and start putting out myself. I ask for your preferred method because I want to make sure you get the most bang for your buck. What method hits you with the least amount of fees? I plan to do a large lump sum 
Sorry, I'm a piece of shit for not mooching all your free content while I pay for cable TV that we don't even watch payment, as well as setting up a monthly recurring payment. I finally told the wife the cable has to go and we're splitting the money we spent on that on a few of our favorite podcasts. What a great <laughs> idea. Because hey, we were that talking about that. Idea. Like, get rid of that cable and support some of your favorite independent like podcasters or YouTubers or whatever. <laughs> I mean, what a good way to do it. That's right. And that's the first person who listened. Congratulations. You, sir, are a trailblazer. You know who else? Danny Warbucks canceled his Netflix, sent me the screenshot. Oh, Netflix. Well, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Wow. That's I great. commend I mean, him Netflix for Netflix usually comes after the cable. But. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he hasn't had cable for years. He's like next level. I can't cancel the Netflix yet. This is a problem because my kids like to watch their shows sometimes. Right, exactly. So I don't want to, I don't know. You know, it's a tough decision. Like, do I take that away from them being able to watch their shows because that's where I'm at or just, just do puppet show, do some puppet shows for them. That's a good idea. Just do live theater for your kids. How much free time do you think I have? I could start, I get some puppets and do a play. <laughs> they should do the play for us. Actually, that's a good idea. I'm going to get some puppets and see if I can get them to put it together, a little production. So I'll finish off this email. So let me know if you want a book shipped to you with some cash in it, U.S. or Canadian dollars, or one of your electronic payment options. You guys have become one of my absolute favorite podcasts and look forward to the episodes each and every time they drop. Keep up the good work. And if you get back to me, I'll give you one hell of a synchro that I have. Do you want to mention, turn this into a little support segment? Support mention, the show. Mention what your favorite preferred digital support well, is. Right we, now love, it's we, love getting, we love getting books in the P.O. box. Yeah. Right now it's Stripe or Patreon because the PayPal, the S2 member press fucking plugin broke and I don't know how to fix it. So the my, I can't get the right now, as of right now, I can't get the monthly subscriptions to even work. What? So I was trying to fix that last night. I couldn't get it going. Is it PayPal? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. So I got it up. I got the PayPal.me link up there at least so people can make donations. and I One can One time donations? I think there's a button at the bottom. So they can do one time, but they can't do monthlies or what? What are you trying to say here? I think there's a button at the bottom you can hit to make it do a monthly. But if you're having trouble, email me and I'll sort you out. I can email you a link. Darren at Graham. Well, I'll probably get to fixing all that shit this weekend. Uh, I'll probably just delete the whole fucking member thing and do something else. But I don't know. I got to get. Yeah. the monthly thing but for now just hit the stripe button hit the patreon button sign up there bingo, well, the book bingo. in the mail is fantastic too we got a bookshelf here that we need to sort out and categorize but we always love getting books for the studio that's right and i'll make sure that i flip through the pages when i get it i wonder how much money's in that bookshelf right now <laughs> nothing probably or super hurt and we'll just be here going through all the books <laughs> And if you don't get an email back from us, I try to reply to everybody. Please uh, send us, send me one and remind me. Graham at GrahamAmerica.com because I do lose track. Let's hear okay, it. Okay, Felix, you ready for this one? Yes. Felix should sing the Synchronicity drink Jingle live. Felix didn't make the Synchronicity Jingle. That's I know. That's why. Oh. I'm just kidding. Okay. Thanks for the emails back. Subscribe today. I've been pouring through the new content. Thanks again for all you do. As promised, here's the synchro. I met a guy in high school my freshman year. What's freshman, Felix, down there? That's ninth grade. Ninth grade. Okay, we just call it ninth grade. That's a freshman here, too? No, I don't think so. Not where I grew up. Well, 
You grew up a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> they they started calling it freshmen in the nineties, or uh, mind you, they called them freshmen in my Archie comics. Oh, I know, but that's American. Freshman, that's why. sophomore, junior, senior. So junior is grade eleven. Yep. So weird. Just read the email, old guy. We, we hit it off in class and had so much in common that we quickly became friends that winter. And I invited him to my parents' house for a small party for my birthday. He asked me what day it was, and I told him, and he looked at me like I was joking. His birthday was the same day, same year. He was three hours older than me. Before long, we were best friends and inseparable. Perhaps our people even thought we were brothers. Don't worry, this isn't a separated at birth story. It's much deeper and darker than that. The following year, we've been best buds through thick and thin. That summer, we're out in a farmer's field smoking weed and staring at the night sky. That, this was the period before the Matrix movies come out, but the Truman Show had us wondering if reality was actually what we had been told. We got very introspective as partakers of the devil's lettuce are prone to do, and we started brainstorming on how much we had in common. We started listing off things that we both had done in our lives, and the similarities were eerie. We'd been friends for almost a year at that point. And it was that night as we rattled off random facts about ourselves that we discovered that go not, only, back. not only did, <laughs> we, did we have the same birthday, but so did our dads. While they didn't share the same year, they were both born, born on the same day as each other. We started hypothesizing that perhaps we were entangled in some sort of way on a universal level. After thoroughly creeping ourselves out and letting the high wear off, we laughed it off and went about our lives. We stayed best friends through high school, went to college together, and everything was great until we both met girls that couldn't stand each other. The more I think uh, about this part now, trouble. this is weird because this, this is just kind of, okay, it makes sense now in the, in the end. So we both struggled to get them to get along and inevitably ended up driving a wedge between us as we both got married to these women. We remained friends, but nowhere as close as we, had, as we had been. We ended up growing apart after moving to different cities, and before long, it had been 10 years since we had even seen or spoken to each other. Well, as life would have it, have it, it ended up, I ended up getting a divorce, and when, when it was all finalized, I went out to get a drink to celebrate. I was thinking about my buddy and all the events that had happened over no the last way. decade. <laughs> this can't be going where I think it's going. Not quite, but okay. yeah, deeper than that. Where was I? Guys are going to get married? <laughs> <laughs> that was a broke back night in the Under the Stars. <laughs> I was thinking about my buddy and all the events that had happened over the last decade in my life and how I wish I knew what he was up to. I had moved across the country, lost a parent, changed careers, and now divorced. I wondered is he, if he was okay. Did he have kids? Where was he? While I'm sitting at the bar, I look up at the ceiling thinking about that night in the field and my phone's text message alert goes off. It's my dad saying to give him a call. Figuring he wanted to check on me after the divorce, I give him a call. He answers and tells me my buddy had gotten a hold of him and was looking for my phone number and that he gave it to him and hoped that was okay. I started crying and laughing at the same time and asked if he got, if he got his number from him, in which he did, so I immediately called my friend. He told me he had been sitting at his computer thinking about me and used an online background check to track down my dad in hopes of getting to me. He was going through a hard time in his life as he was just finalizing a divorce earlier that week. <laughs> T 
10 years later, and we both got divorced the same week. I told him about my divorce, and we both just started laughing. There was no way this was happening. I got serious and told him my mom had died a couple years ago, and he got quiet and said he was sorry and asked what she died of. I told him she died of cancer on Mother's Day of 2010. There was dead silence on the phone. Now, this is where I'm starting to get shivers. I asked if he was there, and I heard him sniffing on the line. I told him it was okay and knew he had loved my mom like his own, but then he told me that his mom had died on the exact same day in a car accident. What? A chill, like this chill right now. I mean, a chill went down my spine even bigger than the one I just got writing this down. We immediately made plans to meet up. We lived 15 hours apart in different states, but we were together in person the next day. We live in the same, we're, we've lived in the same town now ever since. We work in the same profession and talk every day. We still joke about the Truman Show and Tangled Theory when we were kids, but take it a little more serious than we did back then. You guys keep up the good work and thanks again. You Daniel. guys should start a podcast. Hey, eh? <laughs> Holy, what a story, eh? Mm. Did they both go bald? <laughs> Way to try to enlighten it oh, up, yeah, Felix. Felix, Felix was, <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. <laughs> mm, wow, I got to give it a 9.5. 9.5, yeah, that's one of the highest synchros ever. I mean, that's just uh, one of those incredible stories. Actually, I'm going to give it a 9.7. Actually, yeah. no, a 9.5 is fair because I forgot that that uh, Dan and Dan's got the extra 0. 0.42 bump because it's so 0. 0.5 more than Dan's is fair. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that, Felix? Pretty good. It reminds me of like, a, I think I've read some synchros of people, you know, dying on a street and then a year later, someone who's related dies in the same area and, and things with like twins. and that, that, that Oh yeah. 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 That crazy stuff. Yeah. It's the stuff that does make it feel like it's fake, you know, like we're living in a simulation. That's what I kind of chalk it up to a little bit. Like Grimerica episode 370. So what's new, buddy? You got your new album out? What'd you call it? Uh, I ended up calling it uh, Nighttime Boutique. <laughs> nice. And it used to, well, the reason is because I, I do a lot of the recording and, and mixing and in stuff. In the closet? Night, in, the, in this uh, <laughs> studio at night. And the boutique aspect was just to make it kind of have a little bit more value, make it seem like it's worth something. And it was originally, I was going to call it a Nighttime Boutique Mixtape Volume 1 Recipe Book. But uh, I thought that would be a little too, too cheeky. It takes forever to foodie. fucking scroll across to Spotify and stuff, too. You got to think about that. Keep that in mind. I mean, hey, we, had, even, we had to drop Grimerica Talks, too, because it was just spamming. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even. Um, I probably won't even stream it or anything. So the only way you'll be able to get it is through uh, SirFelix.BandCamp.com. So it's nighttime boutique. I have a little write up about it. You guys want to hear the write? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. I've I've already listened to the whole thing. I've already bought it. Was I the first right. person to buy it? Maybe second. I think Grimsteak was my fucking Grimsteak. You piece of number shit. One, <laughs> number one fanboy. <laughs> so this is my little write-up uh, and then i can tell i can give you guys uh tell you all the tracks on did the, i on pay here. more than him at least uh i'm not gonna disclose that. did we <laughs> did we as if it came out of your account we yes <laughs> oh, you guys both bought you guys share no. you share the whoa Graham, jesus christ copyright you're gonna get us nailed 
Right. Uh, so I'll read the track list uh, after I do the little write up. And then if you guys want to hear a little um, backstory about one or two of the songs, I thought you guys could. Yeah, do. for sure. I want to get a little bit of info on them. And then I'll so, play uh, the album in order for the next however many episodes. Sure. These are the good quality ones. I sent you a lot of bad quality versions of them, like demo versions, but the ones that are on the album now are like. The when are you remaking Free Thinkers? Uh, maybe in like two years. Two years? I, I'm busy for the next two years. <laughs> You've booked up. You're booked solid. <laughs> You're booked solid on the Cruiser with Steak show or what? Something. All right, let me, let me read this right up. You ready? Yep. Okay. So I put a lot of time and effort into this album. I hope it shines through. Some of these songs are old compositions I re-recorded to see if I could draw some more magic out of them. Some of these songs are shiny and brand new to my discography. I find a lot of joy in piecing these songs together. All instrumentation and vocals are done by Sir Felix himself. That's me. I'm looking to make upwards of $10,000 on the sales of this album. Uh, thank you for scooping up the digital album with your monetary units. The songs will bounce. The songs will hang out with you. You and these songs could be really good friends. You might even arrange for a slumber party or two with these songs. You might even come up with a secret handshake with these songs. You might even write these songs into your last will and testament. You are here uh, to listen to this album. I am excited uh, for you to hear it. On this digital album webpage, I have written uh, facts and information about each and every song on the album. You might get some insight into the songs if you read those and listen to the songs in tandem. Welcome to the album, album entitled Nighttime Boutique. You break it, you buy it. No shirt, no shoes, no service. You can hit play now. I recommend listening to this album all the way through. That's uh, what I wish for you to do. But you have the free will to listen to the first song today and then listen to the second song 10 years from now, if you'd like. MP3 technology might not exist in the future, so you might need to come back here and download a newer quantum computer file on the, on the album so you can uh, listen to it with your holographic futuristic music playing technology. <laughs> Guys have flying cars yet? Okay, gotta fly. Bye. Is this the follow-up to Filament Firmament? Yeah, so that was that was kind of my last kind of full kind of album kind of thingy. It was an amazing album, songs. by the way. Thank you. That is my. Uh, I mean, I haven't I haven't gone through all the nighttime boutique yet, but Filament Firmament was uh, it's special. Yeah, that, that one had that sonically uh, the what I recorded, and I think the Filament Firmament Firmament turned out really nice. I I struggle a lot with this nighttime boutique because I think I just recorded it. I didn't record it. I recorded it really fast. But then when you go back and mix it, if you recorded it really fast, then you have a lot of trouble. Dude, Led Zeppelin recorded their fucking first album in 12 hours. This one I recorded over a period of time. That's because they had to hurry up and get those stolen songs on the tape. Uh, so you guys want to hear the track list? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so number one is um, Hyperdrive. Uh, number two, Pinch and Pennies. Reprises, Shakespeare's Sonnets is number three. Number nice. four, cause, Causing a Time Rift. Number five is The Sky is Falling. Number six is Plato's Cave. Number seven is Hit Song. Number eight, Immortal Tortoise. Number nine, Disco Ball. Number 10, SSU. Number 11, Took Me to a Mountaintop. Number 12, Son of a Synth Encore. I just thought I'd, I'd kind of like whet your appetite with the names of the song. So you go, yeah, and buy that's it fantastic. Up. That's a good idea. And, um, What's your favorite again, one? Uh, Plato's Cave. I I really like how that turned out. That one, I, I rec the vocals were really <clears throat> kind of bad, but I was able to kind of rein them in. And just the whole, it's a journey when you listen to it. It's like a seven minute song, and there's some synthesizer, 
And there's a little bit of philosophy in it and a little bit of, little bit of, little bit of magic. And again, oh yeah, I got I to gotta tell you, it's sirfelix.bandcamp.com. You guys know that. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link it's in It's also in notes. every show notes. Yeah. You're yeah, immortalized you every, in every show notes. You, you can pay whatever you want. It's $15, but you can pay more if you'd like, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, do you guys want to hear like one or about one or, two, one or two of the songs, just like the backstory on them? Yeah, Hyperdrive. Hyperdrive. Uh, let me open it up here. I got a little write-up. If you go there, you'll see it. I put this one together on a whim with a little reed organ. Uh, my baby boy was standing by as I was recording the reed organ and background vocals simultaneously. Here and there you can hear uh, my son is uh, cooing, but uh, you have to really listen for it. Uh, my main focus was to write some meaningful lyrics. Uh, you be the judge if I accomplish that, accomplish that feat. It might just have to do with something about transcending space and time through love and wisdom. Welcome to the nighttime boutique, safe travels. When you turn into a beam of light, your worldly worries go dim, fade away. There you have it. Fantastic. You want to hear about another one? Plato's Cave. Plato's Cave. Oh, I, I got a good little write-up about this one. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, most everyone, everyone wants to be saved. In this song, I've cl- clumsily got myself stranded somewhere. It's a jungle of confusion. I may have eaten some poisonous mushrooms in the song scenario. Help. <laughs> In Plato's cave, the shadows on the cave walls are all we know of reality, never knowing the true source of the shadows. Some trickster spirit only gives us glimpses of reality through his fire and shadow play. The hope is someone will come in and save us and show us the true nature of the world. Uh, Walk us out of the cave opening uh, to at last bear witness to the canopy of the limitless sky. That's the hope. Sonically, I had a tough time reining this song in uh, to its final form. I had a lot of sibilance in my vocal recording that ruined my vocal takes. I still use them and somehow made them work for me. I have a small Korg synthesizer that I use on this one. In the intro and outro, I tried to simulate the sound of a crackling fire with, with the synthesizer. Did it give you that impression of crackling flames? Like Plato's uh, cave, the reality of it is not what it seems. Life is but a dream. As the song closes, I feel there is some re- resolution. Maybe you too will find some resolution in the nooks and crannies of this composition. Nice. <laughs> we're gonna have to cut this intro short i guess because we got an in, uh, interview with dylan uh lewis monroe dylan lewis monroe in like three minutes uh but we're glad you could come on and get the song out we encourage all our listeners to buy it if you haven't figured it out yet felix is the outro music for the last hundred episodes or so or maybe 200 i'm not sure check it out mm-hmm. let me know uh he did the christmas video he does He's done over half of the jingles, and we love him. Thanks, guys, for this opportunity. This is uh, this is nice for you guys to let me do this. Nice to chat it. with you again, Felix. Well, yeah, it's co- been a come while. on for a longer one next time, where we don't have to sort of rush. Next summer, I'll come up there in uh, Canada and visit you guys. There you go. That's good. Summer. There you go. We it's might make it down that you way. You can always yet. come in the winter too. Like you know, I don't know about that. We got winters here too. <laughs> How far are you from Winnipeg? Uh... Well, I'm in like northern Wisconsin towards like... Um, How far are you from Minneapolis? Minneapolis is probably like a eight-hour drive maybe. Oh, yeah. So you're probably a little ways. Yeah. Yeah. You'd probably be a good like 12 from Winnipeg. Because I'm in Winnipeg sometimes. Maybe we meet halfway. We'll, we'll coordinate. We'll coordinate some shit. We'll jam. A little bit of acoustic guitars. That's right. Dueling banjos. Dueling fucking banjos. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks. We're sorry the intro is short. I'm sure I'll get some uh, feedback on how the intro is short and cheap. And well, the synchro made up for it. The synchro made up I'll with it. We got the highest fucking synchro score ever. We got Felix in the house. We're going to do two quotes next episode because we didn't do any this week. But that don't matter because you guys get to enjoy this fantastic chat. One and only Scott Walter. Excited to have Scott Walter with us tonight. He's a forensic geologist and an author and the host of America Unearthed, which is back on the air this year on the Travel Channel. So thanks for coming on the show, Scott. How's it going? Well, it's going great. Thank you guys for having me here. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a, a good chat. Yeah, yeah, us too. We tried to get you on before your, uh, your season four release on the Travel Channel, but it just didn't happen. So it's good to talk to you now. Anyways, you're still, I guess, halfway through... Uh, or, or I don't know exactly how far you are through, but how's it going there so far this year? Well, it's going it's going great. Um, this is episode nine of ten uh, tonight, mm. and um, I think uh, I think the episodes have been. I mean, call me biased, but I think they've been really, really good. Um, but I have to say, last week's episode was one of the best. Tonight's uh, was one of the most fun episodes for for me to do for uh, a couple of reasons and then next week we finish with a templar episode that is in my mind no question the best episode of the of the whole season nice did you also do a templar episode uh in the first three seasons oh we did a bunch of templar did, stuff. that's right that's what i thought yeah i was yeah, watching a, did a whole bunch of yeah and it was all good but I have to say, we still have more content to go that is, in my opinion, the best ever. And uh, I'm hoping we get another season to start in on that. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. It's been uh, interesting following your work because I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, we don't get your new uh, show in Canada, actually. So I had to look, look up some of your old stuff on, on YouTube and all that. Um, oh, so you guys haven't little, seen any of the episodes? Not the not the new. We have people uh, that uh, are. Helping. I've seen a few. Yeah, Darren. I'm not going to. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say how, but I managed <laughs> to see a few, and they were great. They were great. I've seen some old yeah, ones I, on I, YouTube. I, as I didn't well. hear it. I didn't hear that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> whatever you got to do, man. And uh, we've got some. Uh, we've got some fellow researchers that have been been in, uh, watching it for us as well. And I, you know, we saw a lot of the old stuff. And what surprised me is how. You know, I expected I expected it being on TV and all that to be a little bit more, you know, 
mainstream, but I really liked how you uh, push back on the mainstream narrative, especially as far as our, our history goes. So I really appreciate that part. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't plan things to go the way that gone. I mean, you know, I was just minding my own business, doing my work, and, you know, some artifacts came into my life, most specifically the Kensington Runestone, and, you know, I didn't, I never heard of the damn thing. I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't understand or realize that there were paradigms of history that you're not supposed to tread on, and, um, you know, I, I just, that's not, <laughs> that's just not my wheelhouse at all, and we call it as we see it, and I'm used to some of my customers not being happy with the results. I mean, when when a problem happens, you know, they want to know what caused it, and ultimately they want to know who's responsible, and I'm going to tell them. And sometimes it's good news, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes in a few cases we've actually put people out of business, and uh, I feel bad about that, but the results are the results. The data is the data, and um, we call it as we see it. And that's what we did in this arena. Um, Unfortunately, uh, certain uh, powers that be didn't didn't care for that. Yeah, pop, so, pop, huh? yeah. So that Kensington Runestone event was quite a while ago. So you've been exploring, you know, alternate history for probably what eighteen, nineteen years or something by now. Yeah, it's about twenty, almost twenty years. It'll be uh, twenty years next. Uh, well, actually, it's nineteen years this July. It'll be twenty next year. It's a long time. I mean. In some ways, it's gone really quickly, but I have to be honest and say there have been times when it's, it seems like some of the events that happened early on were a lifetime ago. It's, it's weird. Yeah. What were some of the paradigm shifts that you've had over, the, if you're thinking back on the journey and getting into the TV show for a few seasons there, like what are some of the, you know, the big shifts? Because we talk about ancient mysteries and alternative history here quite a bit, and, and it just, it, I keep you know, changing my paradigm over and over and over again on, you know, how, how, Amer how early America has been sort of civilized and then the world itself. So, I mean, you must be going through all kinds of different shifts. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we've, we've covered, oh my gosh, we've done 49 episodes now and that's a lot of content and we've covered a lot of different topics. I mean, you know, I, I would say the common thread that we get involved in is stuff that's controversial, right? And, you know, I guess that's part of the theme of the show, but there is so much, um, there are just so many things that are out there that we thought were one thing. And it turns out the truth is they're, they're much different. The story is, uh, the truth is actually much different. And it started with the runestone. And I have to say that's something that I definitely want to get back to because some pretty significant things have happened in the last few years since we, you know, we were on the, you know, since the first run of three seasons ended. And um, actually it just keeps, this story just keeps getting better and better. And quite frankly, one of the things that I feel is really important now um, is, you know, we're talking about what kind of a country that we have here in the U.S. and and you know what what are we all really all about? And I don't want to get into the specifics, and I really don't want to get into politics. But what I can tell you is that um, the people that are running the government right now on both sides of the aisle, certainly our president, have lost track of what our founding fathers intended. 
And if they really knew the truth about how our country was really founded, which began with the Kensington Runestone land claim that was the stake in the ground that the Templars, uh, you know, put here, and then they handed the obligation on uh, off to the Freemasons, um, of, of which I am now a, a member of the order. And since becoming a member of the order, a lot of the questions I had about what our founding fathers were really up to have been answered. Um, and it's, it's no secret that all of our founding fathers, all of them, were Freemasons. And not only were they Freemasons, but they were also Knights Templar. And I firmly believe they knew all about the Kensington Runestone. I also know that they knew about the early Templars that were here. And if you, if you stop and think about it, really, the, the, the whole story is, is quite simple. The Templars were persecuted by the monarchs of Europe, right? Specifically the King of France. <laughs> and we fought a revolution against the monarchs of Europe, specifically in this case, the king of France, right? Mm -hmm. um, we wanted freedom from the tyranny of the monarchs of Europe. The Templars were also persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church. And I don't think it's coincidence that in this country um, we have a tenant that says freedom of religion. So when you stop and think about what the Templars' experience was all about and where did they disappear to, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious where they went. They came over here to establish a sanctuary um, or uh, whatever you want to call it, where they could practice their um, uh, democratic um, way of, of governing themselves uh, and freedom, from, freedom of religion. I like to say freedom from religion, but that's my personal opinion. <clears throat> and really, that is the true origin of, the, of, of this country. And I think it's important for people to understand this and really go back and understand what the, uh, the founding fathers were talking about. We are not a Roman Christian country, despite what many people today think. We are not. Our founding fathers were deists. They believed in a higher power. What you called it, um, how you um, uh, honored your deity was up to you. There is not a uh, specified religion in this country, and boy, you sure wouldn't know that based upon the leadership today. And I think people need to be reminded of that. Um, that's what got us into trouble over in Europe, and uh, it's getting us into trouble now. Well, when did that shift? When did it get? Because it's been like that for a while. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it started... Um, beginning in the 1800s after the Civil War. Right. Um, and I think what, you know, with the rise of, 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 of Roman Christianity, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church has played um, a, a pretty prominent role in a lot of things um, in this country, uh, starting from the very beginning. And it's been a war that's raged kind of behind the scenes. And a lot of this paradigm problem that we have is due largely to, in large part, I, won't, I don't want to give them too much credit, mm -hmm. but the Roman Catholic Church has played a significant role in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't want to sit here and, and bash people's religion too much, but at the same time, I think we have to be honest and truthful about the role that they've played and the negative impact they've had on a lot of things. 
Yeah. Most notably, you know, the the uh, um, the abuse by by Catholic priests and and the way that that the institution has handled this crisis. It's it's been a travesty and and a, and a sham. And and that's not picking on anybody. That's simple fact. And but there's more to that, and there's more that's going to come out. And I think we have to to call it as as it is. But that's been a big part of the problem for a long time. So, how would a president, a new president, um, deal with some deal with something like that? Like get get you back to the to the founding fathers in the Constitution. Like, what would it? I mean, I don't want to get too political, but it's it's an interesting oh, no, I, it's I, an I, interesting I, thing I, because I, that's fine. That's fine. I think what we need to do is have an honest discussion, and it's not the politicians uh, that are the ones that are going to be able to do that because they're not honest and because they're. They're going to tilt the scales um, to whatever direction is going to be politically expedient for them. I mean, the president does it every day, but both sides of the aisle do the same thing. And, you know, they pander to people that they think are going to help them uh, get what they want. And this is part of the, the, the reason that we have so many problems, why things are so divisive right now. And you know what, guys? There's a couple of things that could happen, that should happen, that will help us get back on track. The first thing is very simple, and it's two words, term limits. Mm-hmm. If people really understood what, uh, what our founding fathers wanted to happen, is the representation in Congress and in the Senate and anywhere else in our government was originally supposed to be that the brightest minds in our society were to serve their country in some capacity, either in the Senate or in in Congress or in in whatever capacity, for a limited time. Then they were to go back to their practices, go back to the farms, go back to the factories, wherever they came from, and then be a repository or think tank. But they weren't supposed to have those jobs indefinitely. And... You know, that is what happened, has happened over time, is it's turned into an institution where you have people that are in these lifetime jobs, and they're cushy, well-paying jobs. They've got the best health care plan of anybody, and when they retire, they get a huge salary and, and, and uh, you know, free health care for the rest of their lives. And that's why they fight so hard to keep those jobs. That is why, in this case right now, the Republican Party won't stand up to the current occupant because they don't want to get voted out of office. They know that their base um, expects them to support them regardless of what happens, and that's a problem. And when it's a Democratic president, it's the, the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. So term limits is a huge step in the right direction. It's not going to happen, but, but I think that would be a big part of solving this problem. Yeah. I think it should be like mandatory service. They just like randomly pick someone. It's like, boom. All right, Scott Walter, get in there. All right, you're, you got to go do Four your years, two, years. two years. Get in there. Go make it happen. Sorry, bro. It's like well, jury I duty. You, you have, well, first of all, Scott Walter's not going to go anywhere near that political system. Well, you'd be I too old now a, anyway, I, I think. No, no, because look, if, 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 if some of those people got in my grill, like they get into each other, I'd be going over the top rope and we could and use I, more you know, of that. You can't do that. I just, like I, the I don't British trust system. In that regard. 
I respect that they call that? each other. I like the British system. They're calling each other names. They're throwing stuff. No, I'm not going to throw anything. I'm just going to go over there and slap them up. That's the way it's going to go. <laughs> That's just throw it. Down. That's it. You think, and then you'd, <laughs> then you'd be president. People, people eat that shit up. Well, we better transition this no, pretty hang on. quick. We got here. the second point still. Yeah. Okay. We well, I, we don't want to get Scott right, in trouble. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you had, you had the first point was the term limits, and the second point was. Oh right. Well, the second point is is I think that everybody needs to have a civics lesson on the Constitution. The Constitution, I hate to break it to people, is a Masonic document, 100%, okay? It was written by, well, actually, the, 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 um, the first Constitution for the state of Virginia was written by a very famous Freemason. Most people don't know his name. They might recognize it, but his name was George Mason. And Thomas Jefferson used that as the template for the Constitution of the United States. George Mason, Mason was a brilliant person. And for those of you that have been to Washington, D.C., and have been to the Jefferson Memorial, one of the most beautiful and innocuous memorials to one of our founding fathers in Washington, D.C., is George Mason's um, memorial. And it's right next to Thomas Jefferson. As you look at the Jefferson Memorial from the pond, as you walk through the building, if you take a left uh, and cross the street, that's where George Mason's memorial is. And you should read some of the things that he's written and read about his life. But that Constitution is absolutely Masonic, and I think people need to understand what that's all about. Now, just to take this a step further, guys, and thank you for giving me a little bully pulpit, and admittedly, I'm biased. But I have to tell you, I studied Freemasonry and the craft for 10 years before I ever decided to join. And believe me, if there were some problems with the institution or things that I thought people should know that were negative, I would tell you that is not the case. And, you know, I decided after studying it for 10 years that this was an organization that I wanted to be part of. And one of the things that I find so fascinating is that we lionize our founding fathers to the point of near godlike status, right? <laughs> I mean, that's true. They were all Freemasons, and it begs the question, does the fact that these founding fathers, the fact that they were Freemasons, does that have anything to do with their greatness? I would argue that it does. And I think it's important that people understand more about Freemasonry, what it's about. It is not anti-Catholic. It is not anti-religion. Um, but it just it, it, it says we don't care what religion you are, because at the end of the day, the deity that you venerate, whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Buddhist, uh, you know, a, a Native American will take their obligation on the eagle feather, honoring the great spirit, whatever you call it, we're all talking about the same thing. And that is what unites us, not, what's not what divides us. And I can guarantee you this, guys. If we had more Freemasons in government today, I'm not saying it would solve all of our problems, but I can guarantee you this. You would have a higher percentage of people in Congress and in the Senate making decisions in the interest of the greater good than the personal good, and that you can take to the bank. Would it solve all of our problems? I don't know if it would, but would it make things better? Would we get more done? I'm confident that it would. 
Well, okay, Mike, I'm now, done. Now no, that's you. assuming <laughs> that we have some sort of Freemason system for women. I'm assuming when you say that. Well, uh, that you know what? That was one of the issues that I had. Now there are organizations within um, sanctioned bodies of Freemasonry, um, Eastern Star, Job's Daughter, uh, Daughters of the Nile. Um, is it on equal footing as far as involvement and what is done as Freemasonry? No. Um, but I can tell you this, and I wouldn't, I'm not violating any of my vows by telling you this. There's nothing that we do within Freemasonry that women can't handle. Um, but it's a, it's a fraternal organization. It's been around a long time. It's been very successful. And, you know, I didn't join the institution to try to change it. Although I will tell you that there are other organizations out there that are similar to Freemasonry that do welcome women. And so if, if somebody wants to dig deep enough, um, they can find them. Yeah. I think that would also help get us out of this materialistic paradigm that we're in too, if we have more. Well, yeah, at the end of the day, that's, that's, I think that's what it's hitting more than anything else. I don't, you know, there's the knowledge and everything else and that's all great, but most of the people aren't going to pick up on that stuff anyway. You know, most of the Masons aren't seeing all the ancient symbology. Maybe they are. I'm not a Mason. Uh, I come from well, a line no, of you, Actually, you guys, I think, make a really good point. Um, in Freemasonry, you know, it's like, it's like anything in life. I mean, if you're researching something, you can take it as far as you want. And within Freemasonry, if you want to go through uh, your Blue Lodge, which is the first three degrees, Master Mason, Fellow Craft, and, uh, or excuse me, Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and then Master Mason... That's what we call the Blue Lodge, the first three degrees. You can stop there, and you can be involved in your lodge and do a whole number of things. You can aspire to be part of the leadership and go through the line. Um, maybe one day you can be the master of the lodge. That's one route you can go. Some people want to seek additional light. They want to learn more, uh, more things. So you can pursue York Rite, Scottish Rite, that builds off of the Blue Lodge. So there's all kinds of avenues. You can take it as far as you want. That's up to you. That's the beautiful thing about your Masonic journey is it's totally up to you. And you can take it as far as you want, or if you just want to participate in Blue Lodge and go to meetings when you can, that's good too. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. But I find that people, a lot of people that join today, especially younger people, want to learn more. They, they, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, human beings have these big questions that we all ask in life, right? Like, you know, what is here? my purpose? Yeah. Yeah. You know, is there a God? And, yeah. and what happens after I die? And for the longest time in history, people would go to, for the most part, religious institutions. Young people today are not doing that. Um, they're, they're looking for um, other ways to answer those questions. And I, I see a lot of young, really smart young people joining the craft and man, they are taking it to uh, some really great places and they're doing some really great things. And I'll tell you this, I think young people today, you notice how every generation before talks about how great their generation was and how dumb the kids are today. I don't believe that for a second. In fact, I think the young kids coming up today are smarter in my generation, and we were pretty smart, I think, but the young kids today are, are so quick, and um, 
you know, but they're still asking those same questions. And, and one last thing I just wanted to say about that. You, you said something that was really important about, you know, it's not all about money. It's not all about fame and fortune, because I can tell you, careful what you wish for, because you might get it. Um, I love being a D-level celebrity. It's great. But the one thing that you will learn in Freemasonry that will be ingrained in you from the very beginning is a very simple concept. Everybody on this planet came into this world with nothing, right? You're going to go out that way too. All of us. And don't ever forget it. And really what's important is what happens in between. The impact that you make on other people's lives, on your family, on your friends. That's really all that matters. You can't take that money with you and that fame with you. So remember, you came with nothing. You're going to go out with nothing. So make a difference while you can. Ultimately, I think that's why you're probably seeing, uh, I mean, that's probably why you're seeing this higher caliber of, of person. You know, you mentioned before that, you, that, that you've, you've noticed that with the Masons. I think it doesn't even need to be the Masons per se. I mean, you probably notice the same thing uh, with people that have successfully finished the AA program or Al-Anon or people that are just meeting on a weekly or bi-weekly basis and being accountable to people and, and having real conversations? Well, you know something, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. That's why I think it's important for people to be involved. And, and you know, after we've, <laughs> we've gone on this rant talking about how bad, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is, it, it, it does serve a positive function. And, and one of those functions is people come together that have like-minded views to talk about things, to share in their faith, and do those positive things. But what I think is important in Freemasonry, and I think is important in life, and here's where I see that organized religion sometimes can get off the track, regardless of what faith you're talking about. And that is, I think it's important that people understand that you don't need a conduit like a priest or a cleric um, or a rabbi to have a relationship with your deity, whoever or whatever that deity might be. You don't need that person to help you get to that deity, whatever it is. You can have that relationship yourself. And when, once you know that, all of a sudden the power now is within you not that other individual who's been given that power that, quite frankly, doesn't deserve it. Now, if somebody is doing their job right, they're going to help you foster that relationship that you have with deity, not control it, and tell you what you need to do to get to that person. That's where the problems start. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Cool. Yeah, I think that's, you know, there's a real... Mm, absence of culture in our culture, you know, it's like disappearing. It's, there's no, there's no getting out to do any sort of camaraderie or anything like that, or, or even have, you know, real conversations like we try and do here. Well, it, it, because we're all buried in our phones and, <laughs> and I'm just as guilty as everybody else. Um, but, you know, I also make an effort to, to interact with my friends, with, with my family, with my brothers at the lodge or at the temple. And, 
You know, the one thing that I'll tell you, you know, and, and, and masonry is just one organization. There are other organizations where, you know, people are part of something where they have uh, other people that they have similar views and common interests. And so when you get together, you're already at a certain level with that person. You don't have to start from the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, and in and, and Freemasonry, everybody has gone through some pretty profound experiences from the get-go. That's why when I travel the world or I go, you know, even just uptown and I meet another brother, we've already, we, we know right away that we have both gone through some pretty profound experiences that most people in society have not. So we're already at a higher level right from the get-go. It might even be a handshake and no words have been exchanged. If he gives me the right handshake, I go, oh, brother. And automatically, um, you know, we're, we're at a place where anybody else in the street, I just can't, I just won't be at. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's like fellow Americans. Same thing. We met. I mean, we met. We met a bunch of people at a at a at a at an at an a meetup we had for ten days with Randall Carlson. I mean, that's what it was like meeting a bunch of people that listened to the show. Randall Carlson. I love Randall. He's a good friend and he's a brilliant guy. Where was that? Pagosa Springs, Colorado. We're actually working on a couple more. We're going to announce for twenty twenty. Okay. What am I? Chop liver? Come on. Oh. Well, we just finally met you, so I mean, if we can get you out, well, I mean, I'd love to get you guys together at some point, 100%. We're going to do a scab well, lance tour next Randall year. In the fall here, there's a, a Masonic retreat here in Minnesota that we have every year, and uh, guys sign up for it that are into more of the esoteric um, nice. aspects of Freemasonry. Randall was there last year, and I think he's going to be there again this year, and uh, it's just fantastic, and Different people will give lectures. He gave a lecture. I gave a lecture. And uh, it's just awesome. And, and other uh, brothers will come from around the world and participate in these retreats. And it's for three days. And it's, it's really just awesome. Yeah, Randall and Brad. I think Brad was at that uh, as well last year. We were actually just talking about that yesterday. Um, oh, Okay. Yeah. So yeah, those guys are good friends of the show. We could definitely, if you want to do something together, it's definite definite possibility. Well, keep us in mind. We we'd love to do it. And you know, I have a um, I have a new book that's coming out. Actually, it was supposed to be out here, but they ran into problems with the formatting at the printer, so it's been delayed a few more weeks. But you know, I was talking a little bit about the original founding of this country and the Kensington Runestone and the Templars and. And, uh, of course, we can't forget about our indigenous friends um, here in North America that played such a, <laughs> a po- important role every time a culture came to North America over the thousands of years that they've been doing that. You know, people just have not talked about the indigenous people. I mean, for crying out loud, when the Templars and these other uh, cultures were coming over here, who do you think they ran into? The natives, right? Yeah. And when was why that? Why haven't people talked about them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because they, that presents a problem. They don't like talking about those sorts of things. Well, that's right, because what will happen is the natives will tell, tell the scholars what they've told me and other people, is they know all about these people that came here prior to Columbus, including the Templars, who they I've heard them say, 
personally, they called the Templars their blood brothers. Hmm. So you've been finding some stuff down in Mexico, I think, that pushes back the timeline quite a bit. You want to talk about aliens in, in Mexico? Well, I was actually, I mean, I'm more, I want to touch on, like, what your take is on the whole Younger Dryas and the stuff we just met with Randall about. Um, oh, yeah. On on what your take on, you know, what civilization was at, you know, whether it was a, a, a an ice dam or a comet impact or whatever caused the flood myths. Um, you know, I was curious as to what, if you're, because it seems like, the episodes that I've seen, you're you're going around and looking at geology and all this other stuff. I'm wondering, you know, is are, are you coming up on that side as well? That you know, the Hancock and well, Carson yes. Side? I mean, and I I don't think it's really a discussion that that you have to have for very long. And you know, just in an FYI, if we do get another season with uh, Travel Channel, and I'm certainly not going to be presumptuous because I know how <laughs> fickle this business can be. Um, but if they do give us another uh, another season, that would be one of the episodes I'm going to lobby very hard for nice. because two people that I greatly respect, one is Graham Hancock and the other is Robert Schock, <clears throat> um, the Harvard uh, professor who's a geologist and a friend. They have, um, I don't want to say competing theories, but a couple of different ideas about what caused the uh, catastrophic disintegration of the ice sheets back during the Younger Dryas period that caused sea level to rise three to 400 feet to displace the, uh, the multiple cultures, the, the probably most of the cultures that were living on the planet at that time could be displaced because most of them lived on the coastlines, which were drowned by the sea level rise, causing displacement, right, mm-hmm. and, yep. and, and catastrophe for many of them. And that's why all cultures around the world have a flood story because they were all impacted at the same time. Now, the question is, you know, who, what was this higher culture that existed? I think that we're now beginning to understand uh, were the ones that created uh, Gobekli Tepe um, and all the megalithic, you know, many of the megalithic sites we find around the world, the Great Pyramids in Egypt and, and, and Mexico and Southeast Asia and South America and all around the world that we're now finding date are dating back and are much older than originally thought. And, you know, the two questions are, who was this higher culture that existed prior to the, the flood? And um, what caused that massive disintegration of the ice sheets? And there are a couple of competing theories and one of the things that I suggested to these guys is, why does it have to be one or the other? Yeah. Why couldn't it be both? Yeah. And so I don't, I, I don't necessarily want to get into all the details. I don't think we have time, and I want to, I want to wait and investigate it with those two. But um, I will say this. I think that there was a high culture that existed prior to the flood, the Younger Dryas period, uh, prior to about 12,500 years ago. And I think that we, um, we could be talking about the Atlanteans. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, if you do that episode and you need anyone to carry any gear around, we're up for it. <laughs> All right. I, well, listen, guys, you know what the requirements are. Strong back, weak mind. Uh, my mind is pretty strong. But I could uh, smoke myself into a stupor. <laughs> Especially well, if we're in as Washington. Long as you can just keep moving, man. You'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So where do you want to go from here, Darren? Because there's lots of well, stuff. Well, I know you want to get into the aliens. Why don't you go No, ahead. no, I didn't. No, uh, go, go, ahead. go ahead. No. Let's, oh, you know what? I want to get into the aliens. Ah, Let's okay. do it. Right. Let's do it. So did you guys see the second episode that we had? Darren? No. Our, fr- our friend who's doing research for us on your show did, though. Our buddy Brandon okay. watched. He's, he's in Montana, so he's able to watch the show. So he's been watching them. Oh, okay. And he's just. Okay, well, here's what happened. We, um, we <clears throat> received a tip that there were some guys that were finding some artifacts down in the Veracruz area of Mexico. And they were called the Jack Detectors. And it was four guys that were, uh, you know, they, they're, they're from Mexico, and they were really super nice guys. If, if, if they weren't, I wouldn't say anything. They were really good guys, and we got along great. And what they wanted to do is have me come down and look at this site and tell them what I thought it was. And they had some artifacts with them. And so I went out in the field with them to where they said these artifacts were collected. And we, we looked at the artifacts. I looked at the site. And I looked at the carvings that were there. And then I told the guys, I'm not buying it. This stuff is not old. These artifacts did not come from here. One of the artifacts uh, was, had a cleverly concealed UFO, the letters UFO carved into the plate in a very clever way. And, you know, I was a little bit, a little bit concerned about how they would react to my telling them that I thought it was all BS, but they actually handled it extremely well. Wow. Now that was the first two thirds of the episode. The, the, the last part of the episode, I looked at artifacts from a completely different part of Mexico. Um, literally over 2,000 miles, well, I'd say about 1,500 miles away. And what we did was the guy, uh, <clears throat> his name is Mark Russell, brought an artifact in and that he had tested the glue, the adhesive that was used to attach some of the um, um, well, pieces of inlays that were put into this particular piece. And the dates that he got back were over 9,000 years before present. And I said, well, you know what, dude? I said, that's awesome. But you know what? I'm not buying it until I test it myself. And if this is a a legitimate date, we have to be able to replicate it, right? So I took my own sample at the start of the episode And at the end of the episode, I got the results back. I sent that sample to my own lab, and they tested it, and I got the results back. And you know what I got? Alien. 9,000 years BP. Wow. In 200 years of the test result that he got, and I was blown away. That's crazy. Oh, my God. I nearly crapped myself. It was unbelievable. So we had this big twist at the end of the episode where these artifacts that Mark is getting appear to be authentic. Now, I'm not ready to say 100% that they are authentic. There's no question that these artifacts show uh, alien contact with indigenous people, presumably Mayans and other cultures in Mexico, although 9,000 years ago, 
archaeologists are going to say there were no Mayans. Yeah, well, yeah. there was some type of a culture there, and what's depicted on these artifacts is not a primitive culture. In fact, it may be, it may be this culture we were talking about that, that uh, you know, was predated the Younger Dryas. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason I'm not 100% ready to say that this is all legitimate is because you have to ask the question, could that glue have been faked? Now, I'm not saying the answer is yes, but we need to dig into that question and see if we can create our own fake glue. Now, at that point, we're going to have to do some elemental analysis on the adhesive that's on these artifacts and check it against this glue that we might be able to fake and see if it matches. If it doesn't match, well, then it looks pretty good. So that has to be done, and I'm, I'm hoping, again, if we do get another season, to do a follow-up episode and do that testing. Nice. But I'll tell you what, guys, right now, Man, the party's on, and people are uh, people are having a good time with those test results. Yeah, that's good. That was kind of Brendan's question on that on that episode was: Has there been any follow up on the dating of the artifacts after the show, or anything you can no. add to those? So that's uh, oh, well, not yet. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm hoping to do it um, in a follow up episode because it's going to take some cash, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. going to take to do the, to do it right. And uh, but at some point, I'm going to do it. I'm sure we can get some people to help us. Uh, do the testing, but you know, I'd like to do it on my show if I can. I mean, this is this is not a small thing. Um, this opens up. I, I, I mean, this opens up a can of worms like you can't believe. Yeah. But to me, it's exciting. And you know, I've never been a big alien guy. It's just never been you know uh, of interest to me. But I'm interested now. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> it kind of fits into the, another question Brandon had as well is about what is the biggest hoax you've debunked? And do you think it was, was to intentionally mislead you? So it kind of, you know, it, it made me think of the first part of that episode where you, where you talked about going, you know, those guys with that UFO thing shown on there. Like, have you had to debunk hoaxes? Oh, and, they, and... They, that, that wasn't intentional on their part. No, no. I think they, they stumbled onto somebody else's practical right. joke. Um, but anyway, finish your thought. Well, I just want to be, I, I, I want to be fair to those guys because I think, you know, a lot of people automatically assume that they were the ones that faked it. I don't believe that to be the case. I don't know that a hundred percent, but I want to give them a fair, fair shake on that deal. Well, it must be something that you have to be concerned about, I guess, is people hoaxing and hoaxing stuff intentionally and trying to get, you know, get oh, hell yeah. so have you, have you come across that yet? Oh, heck yeah. If you, if you, <laughs> if you watch, um, Season three, episodes 12 and 13, it was a two-part episode on Track and the Templars. It starts with me going out to Pennsylvania to look at uh, an inscribed rune stone uh, that had a hooked axe. It had a date in, in uh, uh, Roman, Roman numerals of 1208. And, man, when I saw pictures of that thing, I was foaming at the mouth. But when I got out there, I determined pretty quickly that it was a modern hoax, and the guys that that found it were the perpetrators. And if you watch that episode, you're going to see that I get in their grill pretty good on television, but I got into their grill even harder <laughs> off camera. <laughs> That's good. It so, did not end well. <laughs> so I meant, I meant to ask at the beginning when you talked about the Templar thing and the Kensington runestone. So how, how far back does that push the, the Templar arrival to North America? 
Well, the, the runestone is dated 1362, right. so there's a hard date there. But there are other runestones that were left by the Templar that are dated 1401, 1402. But the Templars were coming 200 years before, before that. that. Yeah, they were coming here. I mean, you know, they, they mapped the entire continent, and they were, they were traveling with the natives. They didn't fight their way to Kensington. They traveled with them. Right. They had a relationship that was strong, uh, a strategic alliance, because they shared a common ideology. I hate to break it to the scholars, but the Templar leadership were not Catholic. They pretended to be Catholic. You oh. ever heard that phrase, keep your friends close, your enemies yeah. closer? Yeah. yeah. But there's a reason why the church was so pissed off and burned them right? Arrested, tortured, and burned them. You burn people because you're pissed. And that's, that's because they realized that they had been duped the whole time. But they were in the process of establishing the sanctuary over here in North America uh, that eventually became the United States of America. And this is the true history of our country. And I think it's important that uh, people in this country know that, they're going to know it when my new book comes out and I start lecturing because it's a fantastic lecture. And one of the things I'm going to tell them about is what I learned when I became a Freemason is that most of the Kensington runestone inscription is allegory. It's not real. Some of it's real, and I will help people understand what parts are real and what are uh, allegory. For example, we were fishing one day. They weren't fishing <laughs> for fish. I mean, my God, they were doing that every day probably to sustain themselves, right? They're not going to carve that on the stone. The question is, what does that really mean? Well, as a Freemason, one of the things that we are taught is about allegory, code, and symbolism. Mm. And once you know the keys to the codes, that's when you can start to understand what the language really means. And this is all through the Bible, too, guys. Most of the Bible is not to be taken literally. Mm -hmm. It's allegorical. But that's another discussion for another day. But it's an amazing story, and when you find out what the runestone is really telling us, it's nothing short of fantastic. It's telling us a bunch of things, and I can't wait to tell people. Let's hear it. No, I'm just kidding. We won't, I won't put <laughs> yeah, you on the spot. but unfortunately, I think we're running out of time. Oh, we got 14 minutes, just enough. No, I'm just kidding. Um, didn't Wasn't there a lady down in Mexico uh, back in the 80s or 90s that found some fire pits down there that she was saying were like 50,000 years old and they ruined her career yeah. over it? Yep. And actually, I corresponded with her briefly, uh, but she was ostracized within the academic community because that wasn't an accepted uh, paradigm. And, um, I mean, it was BS what happened to her, but I mean, over in China now, I think it was in China. They just, archeologists found a site, uh, that dates back 110,000 years. Um, I mean, look, forget about the paradigms people. This is, this has been a big part of the problem. Um, you know, the paradigms are designed for, for manipulation power and control. That's what what's happening within government right now, right? They're trying to say that this is what our nation is all about. This is what we must do. And people that don't agree with us, they're the enemy. I mean, that's just BS. And the same thing is true in archaeology. They tried to say, this is what the history is. And anybody who does anything that steps outside of that is the enemy and they need to be taken down. 
And, and I've experienced it myself. The problem is, is that they couldn't attack the work I did on the runestone because it was peer-reviewed and it was sound. So they can't attack the work, so they attacked me mm. to try to undermine my findings. That's an age-old technique, but that's not going to work either because I'm not going to back down to them. I never have and I never will, and it didn't work. But, I mean, the whole notion of science is supposed to be facts, interpretations, and then conclusions, always knowing that new facts may come in that will dictate a change in what, you know, was previously believed. Doesn't it happen all the time? A new study comes out and tells us that wine is good for you. Wine is bad for you. You know, coffee is good for you. Sugar is good, bad for you. I mean, all this, it goes back and forth. It's based on new science. One of the problems has always been academics were afraid to change their opinion because they were worried about looking stupid. Well, you know what? If new evidence comes in and demands that you go in a new direction, you go there. It's called science. That's the way it works. But that's not the way that it has worked for people like that scholar you were just talking about. Well, we've crossed over into a weird sort of scientism. I think in 2019. Well, it happened a few, a few, I'm going to use that. I like that. Yeah, it's like where you know this the 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 fucking facts go to the highest bidder, and you know that's at least on the on the product safety and food and what medical side of things, and then on yeah. on the ancient history side of things, it seems to be more of an uh, an old guard than anything else. I mean, that's on the non-conspiratorial side. On the conspiratorial side, I mean, it's all fake for a reason. You know, it's all fake. It, and yeah, well, it's by design. Well, and, and you know, you've got these scholars that are, you know, they criticize people that are not part of the club, right? I don't have the proper letters after my name. I'm a PG. I'm not a PhD. And so, you know, I'm not legitimate, apparently. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's just crap the way they go about it, and it's, it's so fraudulent. But, you know, I really think that's starting to go away. Um, and I think that a lot of this, you know, this fake news and fake stuff that we're hearing about now is, is really, it's going it, to it's gonna boomerang implode, back. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be yeah, I think I really do think... Yeah. I think this is sort of the end of all of that crap and that people, I mean, people can sniff out BS pretty quickly and there's so much BS flying around right now. It's, 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 it's unbelievable, but I really do think people are going to, are going to figure it out. At least enough people are going to figure it out that they're going to demand that we get back on the right track. And, you know, the one thing I will say too, that's really bothersome right now is how people are questioning the fact that, you know, climate change is real or not. They call it fake news. Are you even kidding me? Why are we even taking any chances with our planet? My God, the earth is our home. Why are we taking any chances at all? Is it, is it for money? Why are we doing that? I just don't get that. That's not a political thing. That's a human thing. This is our world. We need to take care of it, period. End of discussion. There is no pushback on that, in my opinion. Well, there's a pushback on the way they're doing it. I mean, they should be focusing on some of the tangible problems instead of taxing us for, for carbon dioxide. I mean, I don't agree with the, the solution at all. 
Well, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's even bigger than that. <clears throat> I mean, taxing us, I mean, <laughs> don't even get me started on the taxes. I run a business, and this tax cut, you know, that was just pushed through by the Republicans helped my business. But that money trickled down to the bottom line, and the people that own the stock take the money. Not, it doesn't trickle down to the employees. We already did that back in the 80s and 90s with trickle-down economics. It doesn't work. And all that happens is more money goes to the rich, and they just funnel that money to the politicians that pass the laws that help them make more money. Yeah. So it's a fraudulent system, and you know we end up paying, <laughs> paying for them to figure out creative ways to funnel more. And again, it's on both sides of the aisle. It's it's uh, you know the Republicans have the spotlight right now, but it goes back and forth and back and forth, and and this is why term limits need to to come in, and I think that would be a big part of the, uh, it would go a long ways to fixing that. But um, but don't you think there should be more of a debate? Oil-based economy, we need to get off that too. We have other technologies we could be using. I'm starting yeah. to question if democracy is even the best system. I mean, it does, I don't. I see. I see no evidence of it. You know, it's just a fucking fight every day over, you know, wanting to vote well, in someone else. We need to chop ourselves into smaller pieces. Your whole life, and you're going to set the table, and 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 uh, people are fighting for parties. They're not fighting for the people. They're just not. They don't care about the people. They give us all that happy, use my language, horseshit talk about, ooh, this is what the people want. No, it isn't. You don't care about us. You care about yourself. Yeah. That's it. I wonder if we dissolve the union between all the provinces and the states. You know, like, do you, you think even a state is too big? You know, a state like Alberta, it might not be bad because it's 4 million people, but, I mean, here we're fighting over stuff, too, so maybe that's too much. you got to cut it down to counties. Yeah. Well, There's like I don't 4, know There's 4,000 countries is. in America now. Yeah. Well, on one hand, you know, you, you want to have regions take care of themselves to a certain extent, but then on a global sense, we're all part of the same planet, right? We all eat, sleep, shit, fart, reproduce the same. And we're all on this big ball together, so there has to be, I think, personally, some type of um, interaction amongst everybody. Um, but, man, there's just so many different people and cultures and ideas complicated. I don't know what the answer is. That's why I'll never go into politics. <laughs> Burn it down. Start over. <laughs> I think that's what well, happens. If anyway. We're going, it will burn down and we probably will start over. So careful what you wish for, cause you might get it. But how, how, how long do you think before we, you know, it's accepted in regular society that our, our history is different. Like we're getting close. Like you said, things are opening up a little bit. Um, yeah. What do you think? Five or ten years, it'll look completely different, or are things moving faster than that, or slower? No, I like, think, I, I look. I, I tend to be an optimist about these things, and you know, with things like the internet and our cell phones, with instant communication, can you imagine doing the research that we're able to do now? Even twenty-five, thirty years ago, I remember before the internet. I mean, yeah. my God, you had to send away to get a book. You had to write letters <laughs> to yeah. people. And you, it took forever. And so I think that was part of the reason why a lot of these paradigms didn't come down very fast because, right. you know, it just took longer for things to happen. But now it happens instantaneously. Yeah. And because of that, 
Um, there's more knowledge. There's better preparation. There's there's more efficiency, and things are just happening at at a literally at, at a lightning pace. So I think it's going to change rather quickly. And you know these lies and this BS that many of these institutions have have been able to perpetrate for a long time. They just can't do it anymore. I mean, yeah. people are just going, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Not anymore because they have the facts at their at their fingertips. You know, like that. Yeah. So I think it'll happen quickly. I really do. Yeah. The only problem with that is, I mean, now we're learning about this new Google bias where Google's, you know, not even by not even trying, they're affecting everything. So, I mean, if they're actually trying, we're in real trouble. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, and you, you look at things like Wikipedia was so fraudulent and oh, just yeah. so awful when it comes to any of this stuff. I just tell people. Well, even in colleges, I'm hearing from some of the kids I'm hiring, they tell us that in, in college, you can't use Wiki. If you use Wiki as one of your sources, your paper comes back. Oh, that's it's great. automatic fail. Yeah. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, you, you had to get, you had to, didn't you have to try to sue them to get your page down or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> people were putting stuff on there that was just, just wrong. And I, I went on there and changed it. And they said, well, you can't change your own page. I said, well... That's wrong. I said, that is, that's false. And I said, I don't want it up there. Well, tough shit. You're going to have to deal with it. And I said, well, no, I'm not. And I said, take it down. And they said, well, we're not taking it down. I said, yes, you are. You're either going to take it down or I'm going to sue you. So eventually they did. I mean, look, my life, my, my self-worth is not defined by whether, whether or not I have a wiki page on Google. I could care less if I have a wiki page. People that want to know who I am or understand my research will read my books or they'll contact me directly and I'll, and I'll interact with them. Yeah, I, don't, that, I don't need Wikipedia. But that's where, that's where the conspiracy comes in that Darren was talking about. Cause that's not just a troll. Those there's people that are, that are there to, they think they're doing what's that, best. Yeah. To, to try and, you know, that's what the problem is. Oh, is it's not even dark. They are sanitizing certain pages that, that to make sure that certain history doesn't, doesn't get out. Let me give you an example. If you guys Google Kensington Runestone, yeah. okay? now it's a fact, and I'm not bragging when I say this, because the guy that probably knew more than me died a couple years ago. Right now, today, Scott Walter knows more about the Kensington Runestone than anybody else on the face of the planet. I have published four books on the topic. I've given countless lectures. I've studied the artifact. I'm telling you, man, nobody knows more than me. You go on that website, on the wiki page, you will not see my name. You will not see any of my books, books referenced, nothing. Zero, zip, zilch. Everything that's on that site is total BS, okay? Uh, the only fact they got right was Olaf Ullman found the stone, and after that, you can toss it all away. But you know what is on that site? There is a reference. There is a book written by... Uh, retired professor Alice Kehoe from the University of Wisconsin, who wrote a book in 2005 called Examining a Research Question Holistically, the Kensington Runestone. That book is about our book, the Kensington Runestone, Compelling New Evidence. And in it, she argues that we proved the runestone was a genuine medieval artifact. But the book she's talking about that's on the wiki page is not on the wiki page. Yeah. Now, now, go figure that one out. That's how they get you. Yeah, I'm on there right now. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, so it's... 
We don't even have a wiki page. And here's about the Kinsina Runestone, and they just get BS on wiki because they think that's a reliable source. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. We don't have a wiki page. It's probably a good thing when it does pop up, I'll probably be fucked. (laughs) Well, uh, we've probably got time for one more question before we let you get to your dinner reservation. You go ahead, Graham. No, I'm good. I'm good. You want me to... All right. Well... Are more of your book topics going to be part of the show if you get another season? That's what you want with? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yes. And I will tell you that if I had my way, um, I would uh, There's. Uh, I, I would do the, well, if we get another season, we will be doing the Cremona document, which is a, um, a compilation of Templar documents that reveals and I think it's probably legitimate, but we need to do some more investigation. But it is a Templar document that is a compendium of documents. Some of the things it talks about, one is uh, about the Templars digging under the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. Back in the 12th century, one of the legends is, what did they find? This document tells us exactly what they found. One of the things they found were more documents that talked about additional documents that have been taken over to a, the land of Antiora. Antiora is North America, mm. where those documents from the first century had been hidden. One of the other documents in there talks about <clears throat> a voyage by the Templars in the 12th century to come over here and recover those documents that were brought over here in the first century. One of the documents that was hidden here was the marriage document between Yeshua, more commonly known as Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. Hmm. That's one of the stories I would like to do. Another one I would like to do is an episode about Leonardo da Vinci, who um, some people claim created the Shroud of Turin for the Roman Catholic Church in exchange for the Church backing off on persecuting the scientists of the 14th and 15th and 16th centuries. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you get that new season, do you feel like you'll have some pretty good creative control over it? Like, do you have that feeling now with this season too? Well, yes. I mean, let's face it. I have control over what comes out of my own mouth. Right. (laughs) So that's one way I can control things, but you know, we work together very closely with a production company committee films who does really a fantastic job. And, you know, the network, they want to make a good show that people are going to enjoy. And our network executive, um, uh, Daniel Schwartz, is is a a fantastic guy. He does a really good job. And he has final say over what these episodes look like. And I have to say, seriously, I'm very pleased. They make me look way better than I am, uh, way smarter than I am, and I really appreciate it. But you know what? I will tell you this. If I have to put my foot down on something, I'll do it. And, um, but it never really gets too contentious because if there's something that's out of whack, they recognize it too. So we really have a good working relationship and, um, I'm having uh, the time of my life and I just hope we get to continue it because really we're just getting started with, um, some of the things that we can bring to the world, I think, um, will help change it. And I know that people will be, um, educated. They're going to learn something and they're going to have fun doing it. So 
Let's keep the party going. Yeah, that's great. And let us know when your new book comes out, and we'll we'll uh, talk about it on the show here. And yeah. let us know when you want to do an event. We'll we'll get you and Randall oh. together. We'll we'll meet up someplace, and we'll have a fucking party. Hey man, that sounds great. You get a couple beers in me. You think I talk now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, last time we we were in Colorado because a nice legal state, and we rented a couple buses, and uh, well, they were more like big vans. But uh, we had a blast. We went to Mesa Verde a couple times, Chimney Rock a couple times. Oh, man. And, Sounds uh, good. Well, put me on the list, man. Let's do it. All right. The book will be out in about a month. So okay. if you guys want to get together, I've got some huge reveals in this book that are going to blow people's minds. So let's do it. Right on. Maybe we'll go on a grail, too. Thanks a lot. Find the Holy Grail. We'll go on a grail quest. There we go. All right, Scott. <laughs> enjoy your dinner and uh, come back anytime. All right. Hey, guys, thanks so much. And, hey, everybody, watch the show tonight, the Haymarket Affair, uh, 9 o'clock on Travel Channel. It's going to be great. If you're interested in seeing any of my books, go to uh, www.hookdex.com, and uh, I sign all books bought off my website. And if you want to get in my grill about something, I've written about every single episode, including tonight's. I'll post it after the show. Go to my blog, which is uh, www.hookdex.com. ScottWalterAnswers.blogspot.com. How was that for getting out my stuff? Fantastic. I'll Perfect. put all the links to that in the show notes, and we're good to go. All right, guys. Hey, listen, thanks so much. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and letting me flap my guns. Um, um, I really thank you for it. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, too. Have a lovely Take night. Care. All right, guys. See you later. See ya. That was a chat with Scott Walter. What do you think, buddy? That was good, yeah. That was good. I'm glad we got a little political there. It was awesome to to look at it that way. The first little bit was pretty Messiah. The Templars were here, yeah. created the Constitution and the states, and is taken over by the Catholics. Yeah, it was a good show. He was, I was actually surprised he was willing to go in a lot of different directions there with the uh, yeah. new season on the line. Yeah, man. The uh, I was surprised at how, how he pushed back so hard on regular TV, the mainstream paradigm. wonder if that's why the History Channel didn't want to bring him back. Actually, I think they got bought out. So they got bought out. The History out Channel is on like season 14 of Ancient Aliens. So. No, no, it's H2. Was, oh. Uh, but anyways, they got bought out and they, and they didn't uh, they didn't bring him back. So interesting. And then the Travel Channel picked it up. Nice. The Travel Channel? Yeah. That's who's busting it open these days? Yeah. Uh, I, Canada, I mean, though. honestly, he could uh, transition into his own thing pretty easily, I think. Oh, yeah. Jump onto YouTube, hire a cameraman. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a cameraman in the audience that could pick it up. If anything ever happens, Scott, you give us a call. We'll get you back on the road. <laughs> no time flat. We'll fix that flat tire. So, uh, yeah, that'd be great to see an episode with him and Randall. Oh, yeah. Imagine him and Randall and Hancock just rolling around Washington State. That that Freemason thing, I mean, honestly, how many of the guests that we've had on that are Freemasons are doing just incredible work? Deep research and... Great guys, super open-minded, talk about anything. I don't know. I feel, you know, that's good. I think they get a bad rap in general. So do I. Conspiracy angle, you know? So do I. That's probably by design. What do you mean? Infighting. Yeah, yeah. What? I mean, we have no. Randall on and we get called Masonic shells. That's that why, I mean, honestly. That, hey, that, you can't even my, go by that. That was a my, one troll mm, like five years ago. No, the Mason thing constantly comes you up. Think? I really? just stopped addressing it. Oh, Really? Same thing whenever we have Pat Militech on. Really, eh? Yeah. And uh, the the Hollywood guy, that uh, the Hollywood uh, decoder guy, remember? Symbolism, Robert Sullivan, the fourth? No one noticed that. 
No, eh? He's, uh, he comes on to talk about masonry. So I think that's like more, some more leeway there. It's when people throw in the Mason thing. So someone thinks they're coming to hear about ancient histories. Someone mentions Masons and they're just fucking triggered. Wow. And that's it. I was actually going to make the comment that when you started talking about some of that stuff, I could just hear the keyboards typing. <laughs> anyway, my grandpa and my uncle are both Masons. Really? Yeah. Why don't you, can you get in uh, easy, extra they easy both, if, uh, if, they if they're if, dead now? So, Well, you can, you must be able to show, show proof or something. Can, I don't did, know how did, that did would they work. ever teach you the handshake? You can just go in no, and No, I was too young, in. way yeah. too young. Yeah, my grandpa died when I was like. Your grandpa's Mason. Does he have any documents you could look at or any? I don't know. That's the problem is grandma's died now too, so I don't have access to that stuff. You know, that's a. I was thinking about the other day. It's like if I could have anyone on thirteen questions, probably be my grandpa, because it's just like never had the chance. You said your dad. Yeah, yeah. But what can you do? You can't go back, unfortunately. But yeah, my my uncle and my grandpa were both Masons, and I I've thought about it, but I was just like, you know, it's just. It's bad for the show. Jeez, people Adam, find out I'm just, a Mason. I just saw Adam's text pop through. His grandpa was a Mason too. Wanted, wanted people. To join. If I was a Mason, that'd be it. Because didn't we hear that our limited not, credibility would be out the window? Because we have some friends that have just joined up as well, and and didn't they say that they're they're sort of uh, hurting for younger talent? Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's. I don't know if we're talking about the same people, but I know some people that have started going to the dinners and they haven't actually pledged yet. The dinners. Yeah, there's, apparently there's an open dinner every month you can just go to, say hello, and you get a free meal. Hmm. So, I mean, I might just take the free meal. No, let's... I'm yeah. just kidding. Let's not talk about this anymore on the show. All right. Uh, anything else? Do everything in the show notes. The, review the show, because like 1% of you review the show, and that's not good enough. I think you can get that up to 5% this month. So if you haven't reviewed the show, go review the show. I know for... Uh, fact that like 10,000 of you people are listening on an i directly through an iTunes device. So, but there should be more reviews. I'll leave it at that. Can you do that right from like No, I can just right see what there? who's playing on Apple Core Media. No, I'm, I'm saying can those people just oh, go I don't know. No, I think what? you got to go to iTunes. There's a you link can't in the do show notes. You see it I said grammarica.ca/itunes your device will take you right there. <laughs> if it's an Apple device. Boom, review, five star, move on. Uh, and then support the show, grammarica.ca slash support, because uh, we can't do this without you guys. Uh, grammarica.ca slash support. Honestly, you guys have been stepping up a little bit lately. We're going to run the numbers at the end of the month, see if we got up to 1%. We might be close. Now let's go for 3%. Graham's been saying 3% for years. I've been saying let's get to 1 first. We might be at 1. So don't be a cucker. Support this motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anything else that's it alright guys thanks for listening and we will see you next week I'm walking gingerly through the rat race take a look at the big old smile on my face kicking around down by the pool of narcissists the people are many they preen themselves oh how they navel gaze Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric. 
District Avenue. The people are predictable. They say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. A thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive and turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. Well, please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. As my angel says, dance with me and your life will never, ever, ever be told. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. 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 Turn into a beam of light.